Well, good morning, Fairfax Bible Church. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us, even if it is virtually. Part of the reason we're doing virtual is because tonight is the Super Bowl. And during the Super Bowl, there's going to be a halftime. And in our family, we usually kind of just uh, make up our own halftime entertainment because what's on TV is not really worth watching. But while everybody else on the planet is going to be, we're going to be stuffing our faces with chicken wings, there's going to be two football teams tonight that are going back in their locker room at halftime to try to evaluate and assess how things are going and refocus on their game plan. Well, for us as a church, today is what we call Halftime Sunday. And the reason we call it Halftime Sunday is because we are about halfway through our ministry year. So this is a great opportunity for us to just kind of step back, assess how are things going, and refocus on the vision that God has given to us this year. And our vision is being a growing church. Are we growing, church? Is, is, is this happening? I think it is. And I want to encourage you. I think a lot of the growth that's happening right now is probably more below the surface. Things that may seem almost imperceptible, especially when you're using the tools that, that churches typically use to measure things like buildings, bodies, and bucks. Like those are the things that normally you think about when you think about church growth. But when we've said we want to be a church that's growing, we're not just focused on growing numerically, but we want to be growing spiritually. And we started this ministry year in the middle of the most chaotic year that most of us uh, can remember. But I want to encourage you, this season has not been wasted. God has been doing a good work. He's working below the surface in our hearts, stretching our faith and causing us to grow in our love and our obedience to him. Honestly, if he's doing that, I'd praise God for that. That, that, that that's not wasted at all. And as I was having some conversations with some people, I thought maybe it'd be encouraging for you to just hear from some others in the way that God has been working in their lives. Maybe it'll cause you to kind of assess and, and, and look back and just ask how God's been working in your heart. So why don't you check this out? Hey, church family. Well, I am joined with my beautiful daughter, Jolie, and with Mr. Will Johnson. And uh, Will and I were talking a couple weeks ago and just kind of thinking, talking, and, and it was so encouraging to me to hear God is doing good things and, and he is at work in our lives. And uh, so I thought it'd be pretty cool to just hear a couple of testimonies of uh, how God's been doing that. So, Will, why don't you share with us, like, uh, how has God been helping you grow spiritually uh, over this last year, just recently? Uh, it's been uh, very uh, interesting, Jeff. Um, I think I've just really been encouraged by God just to feel his comfort uh, that he's there with me, um, that, you know, I'm not alone. I don't have to do it in my own strength all by myself, um, that he has prepared me for what he's called me to do. He's equipped me for it. And that has just been so encouraging to me this past year. Um, it's taken a lot of stress off of me, a lot of anxiousness and worry, and has just kind of given me a lot of peace throughout uh, just this past year. Praise God for that, man. I know a lot of people are feeling that stress with everything that we've been dealing with. But Jolie, how about you? What, how has God been helping you grow spiritually this year? Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, when I first started on the Bible app, I was on pretty often and doing a lot of plans. Um, and in the summer, I started reading the whole Bible in a year, but eventually I broke out of the habit. It, was, it wasn't until recently that I picked it back up and started paying better attention to what I was actually reading. Um, then having my mentor meetings and youth group have helped me dive deeper into the word. Um, my family has started reading and memorizing the questions and answers in a catechism book about God and the Bible. 
and having my parents to talk to when I do not understand things really has helped. But reading my Bible every day has definitely helped me grow spiritually in how I respond to situations in my life. Yeah, I think a you know, common theme there is just God's word really helps us grow. And uh, it's so important that we're spending time in that. So, Will, what, what's something that you've been learning in scripture lately? Uh, definitely. Just going through the Old Testament right now, starting in Genesis and now in Exodus, and just seeing that, you know, when God calls someone uh, to do something, right, when he's prepared someone to do something, that he has equipped them, he's established their footsteps, and they can trust him in that, you know, just um, right now being with Moses, right, and him not feeling prepared enough for what to say and to be equipped and how to do it. And God says, you know, I'm the one uh, who's giving you know, the words and, and the lips of your mouth, like just trusting me in that. And that's just encouraged me so much. Uh, like I said, I don't have to do this on my own, but he's with me. He's equipped me. And that has encouraged my heart a lot. And you're getting that from the Old Testament. Love it. I think most from people the Old are Testament. In the Old Testament right now, right? I mean, it's, you know, February. So we're maybe people are getting into like Leviticus and those Bible reading plans. Oh, yeah. Soon, <laughs> soon. Jolie, what about you? What's, what have you been learning in the Bible lately? Um, in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 2, it talks about not being babies in Christ, but growing in Christ, because we can't just learn things in church and not use them. I memorized these verses, and they have really stuck out to me. In my morning Bible reading, I've been reading about the life of Moses and how much the Israelites kept messing up. This morning, I read in Deuteronomy 7, 9, says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who keep his commandments thousand generations just talks about how much he loves us and how faithful he really is those are some of the things that i've learned in my bible reading and the memorization of the bible it's pretty cool to hear i i love hearing that that does dad's good but just to know like god's using his word to help us grow in this season and i hope that that's been true uh, for all of you church family so thank you to mr will and jolie for just kind of sharing like god's doing a good work in our hearts and we want to celebrate that so thanks for uh, sharing your stories there absolutely and that is so encouraging to hear stuff like that and i wish we could go around the room and just hear everybody's stories god does cool things in the midst of crazy but i also know that some of you maybe maybe you're kind of thinking about it and you're like i mean i don't i don't know this has been hard i don't really feel like i've been growing even if you don't i want to encourage you god's still working he's still doing a good thing he said philippians 1 6 that that if he started a good work in you he's going to bring it to completion at the day of christ jesus because he finishes what he started but we want to lean into this i want to encourage us like this is this is the vision let's refocus around this and pursue being a growing church. Don't stop pressing in to your relationship with the Lord and being a part of what God is doing here at Fairfax Bible Church. We are so glad that you are a part of our church family and we want you to grow as well. So in light of that, I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles. Why don't you take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Titus. We're going to be in Titus is in the New Testament. And, and, and this book, the book of Titus, is kind of a, uh, it helps provide a blueprint for what a healthy, growing church should look like. And just a little bit of background before we jump into it. This book is a letter. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to this young, uh, uh, up-and-coming pastor leader named Titus. And Paul had actually sent Titus to the island of Crete. 
Now, I, I've got a map here because I want you to be able to see uh, where this is and just get the geography of, of what's happening. If you look right in the middle of that map, you see the island of Crete right in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Greece. It's actually in uh, modern-day Greece. Behold, this is the island of Crete. Not exactly a bad place to get a gig as a church planter, right? You're looking at that guy like suffering for Jesus on an island. How many of you are like, sign me up for that? I didn't even know that was possible. I'd be a church planter if that's what it took. Except you got to understand this. The island of Crete was actually a horrible place of ungodliness. And if you look at chapter 1, look down at verse 12 real quick. You'll see what I'm talking about. Here's what he says. He says that Cretans are always liars, uh, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Like, ugh. Like, this is, this is sin city. And so it's actually a, a really challenging place to, to live for Jesus. But it also had such an international influence that, 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 that to Paul, he's thinking about it like, man, this is, this is great. We need to get, this is a strategic location for us to get a network of church plants on this island, on these coasts, as they're trying to make disciples of all nations. Like, let's get some church plants here. But Paul cares about the health and the stability and, and the growth of these church plants as they're trying to live for Jesus and in, a, in a really corrupt culture. And, and so he sends his boy Titus to this island, who's kind of, he's a minister of the gospel, he's kind of overseeing some of these church plants, not just one church plant. In fact, you see it in verse 5. He, he sent him there, he said, to put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town. Kind of overseeing, helping to take care of all of these churches. He's trying to answer this question of how do you make sure that you've got a growing church in an ungodly culture? There's probably going to be some application for us in Fairfax in that, right? Here's, here's what we want to take away. That a growing church is a community that's shaped by the gospel. Let me say that again. A growing church is a community that's shaped by the gospel. There's going to be a marked difference in the way that believers live that's going to stand out and make an impact in the culture as they live their lives to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as they live in loving community. And we see in the greeting at the beginning of this letter, Paul actually tells us why he's preaching the gospel to them. So if you got your Bibles, let's just start reading. Uh, we're only going to read the greeting this morning. Uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 1 of Titus, it says this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in a hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus my true child in a common faith grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior here's the big idea this morning as we dive into God's word this is what I'd like you to take away a growing church is a community shaped by the gospel so we have to preach the gospel. We have to be committed to preaching the gospel if our church is going to be growing and shaped by that gospel. This is actually one of our six 
pursuits as a church. One of the things that we just are committed to pursuing is being a church that is committed to bold preaching, that we don't shy away from opening up the Bible and, and, and communicating the truth of his word. And there's a, there's a couple of words, a few, three words actually, that, that, that kind of help me uh, uh, understand these values and, and, and how we go about that. The, the first is the word expositional. By expositional, we just mean we're leading out the message of the text. We, I, I don't just go into my office and decide, I want to talk about something and then just go find some Bible verses to sprinkle in there. Because you don't need a message from a man. You need a message from the Lord. So we're just going to open up the book and let that be the message that we're talking about. But besides expositional, we also want to be applicational. That we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers or note takers only. But the third, and this may be most important, that we want it to be gospel-centered. What we're doing is, is, is not just uh, giving you some, some self-help advice. That's not what we're doing. We want to treasure Jesus Christ and see how what he's done for us transforms everything we do and the way that we live. So Paul is preaching, he says, verse 3. Because he knows, verse 1, he is, and he calls himself, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. A servant and an apostle. A servant means that he is, you just see his humility in submitting to the Lord. But the fact that he's an apostle also means that he understands his responsibility and his God-given authority to pass on and to preach the teachings of Jesus. And what's he, what's he teaching? What's, what's, what's he preaching? He's preaching the gospel because the gospel is what helps these churches to grow. And so let me give you three reasons today. Three reasons why we preach the gospel. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. We preach the gospel so that you will believe. We preach the gospel so that you'll believe. He says, verse 1, I'm a servant, I'm an apostle for the sake of the faith of God's elect. I'm preaching for your faith. I'm preaching the good news of what Jesus has done so that you would believe in his finished work on the cross in your place and in his resurrection from the dead, which actually secures, he says, verse two, your hope of eternal life. The only reason you have any hope of eternal life is because what Jesus has done, that he died for your sin so that you don't have to, so that you can live with him forever. And Paul has been, he says, entrusted by the command of God our Savior to preach this message. Because the, the gospel is the power of God to save. And it's what strengthens our faith. So it's a call to repent and to believe. To put your trust and your faith in Jesus to save you. But notice he says this. It's for the faith of God's elect. Elect means that God elected you. God chose you. This is just a reminder that, that even though you are responsible for your own sin and, and you're called to repent and, and to believe and to receive this, this free gift of salvation, even though you're responsible to that, if, if you do believe, it's because God is the one who chose you to belong to him before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1.4. That God did this work. And this doctrine, I want to encourage you, it gives us so much comfort and assurance. Because it means that our salvation is not based on my performance. It's not based on anything I've done. God did not pick me because of what I did or would do. 
It's solely based on his gracious choice, which is completely undeserved. But that also means for me then that I don't have to earn it. And I can never lose it because it doesn't depend on me, but on Jesus and what he's done for me. And we preach this message for your faith so that you would never trust in something that you did. So you'd never think that the reason that you are saved, that you belong to God, or that you have this hope of eternal life is because you prayed a prayer, or you walked an aisle, or, or you got baptized as, as a kid. We, we don't trust in those things. We put our trust in Jesus and what Jesus did for us. Do you believe that? Do you believe in Christ? Do you know that he died for you? Have you put your faith and trust in him? And Paul says that you can have this hope of eternal life, verse 2, because God, notice, who never lies. This is going to be significant because uh, remember verse 12, uh, the, 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 the Cretans, they can't trust the, the people in their culture and what they're telling them. They're, they're, they're a bunch of liars. Can't trust them. But you can trust God. And, and God, he said, promised before the ages begin. You can trust this. You can have hope because of what God says. And, and, and just as Paul was called to preach this, I'm called to preach this. And watch this, you are too. And that doesn't mean that, that you're going to need to become a, a pastor and, and you know get up here on a Sunday morning, but, but God has called you to take the gospel to the nations, to make disciples of all nations. That I want I want to be a growing church where we're seeing new believers being made, new disciples being added to our church family, where we're all being faithful to live sent, to get the gospel out. Who, who are you sharing the gospel with right now? Who's in your sphere of influence? God wants to use you in that. He wants to use you so that others can hear and believe. Remember, he's the one who does the saving. We can take some confidence in that. But he wants to use you in this. And, and, and if you want some help, we've got some resources that might be helpful. If you haven't checked it out already, I'd encourage you to, to listen to our discipleship podcast. Episode number seven, Kathy and Ian and Emma sat down and, and gave us some really awesome insights. Did a fantastic job with this. It's really helpful. If it's an encouragement to you, I'd encourage you to go and check that out. And We, we want to be faithful to this because we want to preach the gospel for your faith and for others to be able to believe and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, here's the second reason though. Let me give you the second reason we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel so that you will be godly. He says, verse one, I'm doing this for the sake of the faith of God's elect and check this, their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. So, so we don't preach just so that you'll know some facts about the Bible or have all this biblical trivia. We've said we, we're not interested in making a whole bunch of Bible fatheads, people that, that are able to quote the book of T uh, Titus from memory, which uh, that'd be awesome if you could do that, or, or somebody who can define the hypostatic union of Christ or, or name all of the kings from uh, Israel and Judah's history. Like as great as that would be, I'd love for you to know those things, but, but we're not interested in people that just know a bunch of stuff, but who don't live out what they know. What he's saying is the knowledge of the truth leads to godliness. The gospel transforms the way that we live. We're not saved 
by our works, but we have a faith that does work. We're not the same anymore. We, we want to live differently. And Paul knows that if these believers truly know Jesus, they're going to live like him. And if they do, it's going to stand out. All their neighbors on the island and Crete are going to take notice of that. Like, how come you guys aren't, like, out just partying with all of us? And, like, you guys, you guys, like, talk to each other differently. And you're not out, like, uh, getting drunk and sleeping around and lying. There's just something different there. Because one of his concerns uh, was that they wouldn't just assimilate into a sinful culture but that they would impact that culture by living out a different set of values evident by their actions in the midst of that culture. The gospel has the power to transform a culture because it has the power to transform our hearts, which then transforms our actions. And we've got a similar context here in Fairfax, don't we? We're living in a culture that is just increasingly embracing immorality and, and lies and self-indulgent. And we're not going to live sent effectively for Jesus in our community if we just live like everybody else in our community. There needs to be a difference. There needs to be a difference in the way that we treat one another, the way we serve people instead of using them. Or the way that we consume entertainment and media, what we, what we watch and, and what we listen to and what we hold up as appropriate and good and lovely and beautiful and, and, and the way that we define love and, in light of God's perfect love and what Christ has done for us on the cross and, and what we value and what we laugh at and what we dream about and, and, and where we spend our money and how we spend our time. and We don't take our cues from the culture and what they think is appropriate. We're called to something different. We're called to something better. We are called to godliness. We, this is why we keep coming back to the gospel. Because when we preach the gospel, when we think about what it has done, we realize that it's changed us. And then we learn to live in light of who we are in Christ now. And help other disciples live like Jesus, to become more like him. And we want you to grow in godliness, which is why we open up this book. That, that we're convinced that this is the kind of growth that, that we want to see. Where, where, where God is, we're, we're praying and pursuing that, that he's doing a work. Maybe it's below the surface, but he's doing this in our hearts. He's, he's, he's teaching us and he's challenging us and he's, and he's convicting us of sin when necessary. And he's, he's deepening our faith and our trust and our dependence on him. And, and we're becoming more and more convinced of his greatness and the satisfying joy of Jesus. That he is so much better than anything that this world has to offer. And we're loving him through our obedience obedience to him and his word and we're seeing the fruit of the spirit coming out in our lives we're becoming more godly can i ask that question are you more godly now than you were at this time a year ago are you seeing some 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 growth there if you want to grow, I want to encourage you, don't let dust collect on this book. Don't, don't, don't let there be this massive disparity uh, between the amount of, of media that, that we're consuming and occupying our thoughts versus the amount of scripture and truth and, and, and meditating on the gospel. We need to get around the book of God. We need to get under the word of God 
every Sunday as we gather together to worship and preach it and get under the Word of God. But then we also want to get around the Word of God in, in the week uh, in our small group communities. We're having discussions around how do we live this out? We want to be more like Jesus. And then we pray that God uses His Word to make us more like His Son. Well, let me give you the third reason. Here's the third reason that we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel so that we will be a loving community. We preach the gospel so that we'll be a loving community. Verse 4, he says, To Titus, my true child in a common faith. Don't know if you know this, but Titus and Paul are not related. Okay, this isn't Paul pulling a Darth Vader, like, I am your father. Or, or like one of those uh, gossipy talk shows where it's like, surprise, DNA test says Paul had a child. Like, that's, that's, that's not what's going on here. It's kind of weird. But, but, but here's, here's what he's saying. He's calling Titus my true child because there's a greater and, and, and a deeper bond and relationship than just genetic and familial ties. That they belong to this community of faith in Jesus. So they share this love that goes so much deeper than just a bunch of bros in a fantasy league or your girlfriends that, that you text or call or swap Pinterest ideas or go shopping with together. Like as, as great as that is, they're so bonded in love that they don't know what else to call it except family. One time... Jesus was sitting around and he was talking with a crowd and somebody ran up and interrupted him. And they're like, hey, Jesus, listen, hey, your mom and your brothers are outside and they're looking for you. And, and it says that Jesus looked around and he said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister, and mother. My relationship with other believers exceeds my relationship with my own biological family. That God in Christ, he has adopted us into his family. And don't forget, Titus is a Gentile, Paul is a Jew. And so this family is, is breaking down these racial and cultural barriers and bringing them together. That we are united by our faith and our love for Jesus. The, the fact that Paul would look at Titus and be like, man, you're my true kid. It's not because he's like gone on some fishing trip and they built some memories together. Or, or they're going to be sitting on the couch with their Tom Brady jerseys on rooting for him to rock the Super Bowl. Or, 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 or that they both share a love for traveling and sightseeing. That's not what brings them together. What brings them together is they both love Christ and they want to live sent for his glory. And I'm so glad that you are a part of this church. We belong together. And, and, and we preach the gospel so that each of us would recognize the importance of of committing to and prioritizing this loving community, this, this church family that we have. Here's what we're called to experience. Here, here's what he wants us to see and, and, and experience in this family. He says, grace and peace. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is a loving community being shaped by the gospel. And we should be living and breathing and just rejoicing in the grace that we have received that we don't deserve. And living in the peace 
that Jesus brings us. So can I challenge you to that this week? Apply the gospel to your relationships with your brothers and sisters in our church family this week. And it may be someone that you're praying with, somebody you're reading scripture with, somebody you're just encouraging, maybe somebody in your small group. So glad that we have this is we have all this commitment to our small groups. And that's one of the reasons I think the Lord has kind of been holding us together and helping us to continue to grow is because of these relationships that we're committed to where we get to be the church with one another. But are you treating those people with grace the way that God has treated you? Are you pursuing peace? And I don't mean like when pursuing peace, I don't mean just avoiding interactions so that you can not get into conflict with them, but, but actually like pressing into those relationships and, and helping them grow to become more like Christ while being a peacemaker. Honestly, if, if peace hasn't really even been an issue for you, it's probably because you're not pressing in enough. Because the closer and the more vulnerable that we get to one another, the more up close we get to each other's faults and sins. And I have to deal with that. But the more opportunities that we have to apply the grace and the peace of Jesus to these relationships in this community that we enjoy. This is our vision, church. This is what we're going after. We want to be a growing church. And a growing church is shaped by the gospel. God, would you do that work in us? You have been so faithful to us in this year. As we look back and we think about where we've come from, Lord, I pray that each of us would be able to take stock of our lives and our hearts and just be honest. What have you been doing in here? What have you been doing below the surface? Are you doing a good work? As we see the evidence of that, Lord, we want to become more like Jesus Christ. We want that to be reflected in our lives and in our church family. God, would you help us to be a growing church that is continually shaped by the gospel so that you get the glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.